0: Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. So we've talked to Mitt Shaw, Tyler Morse, Al Patel, and Chip Rogers. We've talked about politics, we've talked about PPP, we've talked about the CARES Act, we've talked about safe stay, we've talked about opening safely clean rooms, we've talked about armbands, and we've talked about the hawks. But where's the money? Today we're gonna talk to the bankers. Stay tuned to find out. Hey guys, thanks for joining me uh Another edition of Teague Talks. uh Today, got Sanat from Ivana Capital. Got Matt crosby from Stonehill, and I got Sushio from State Bank of Texas. Uh, I appreciate you guys being here. I think people want to find out, right? Banks are kind of at the core of all of this, so I think we want to talk to the lenders, uh and I think we want to find out uh forbearance, foreclosure, and where we go from here, right? Making new loans. So. Before we start, Matt. I don't know if you got. Tell me what, what what you're seeing at Stonehill, a private bank. I mean, that's a new debt fund, which is a new ent- entity in this world. So, what are you guys seeing?
1: Yeah, so we're we're a private debt fund, meaning we 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 really aren't you know regulated by the Federal Reserve or any overarching authority. So, um, you know how we manage our investments is 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 really you know predicated on us as as investment managers and fiduciaries for our investors. Um. Most of our portfolio going back to early March, you know, we began to you know, review our portfolio. and then into April, um, we started having many requests for you know just 90 day forbearance agreements for a, a relief of uh, debt payments, um, which we reviewed and we reviewed those on a case-by-case basis. But the majority of our portfolio we did we did forbear. Um, and, and that's really how it's set up right now. We tighted, We tightened the reporting requirements. Um, in terms of, you know, we want weekly star reports, we want regular business plans. We want more phone calls. We want to understand week in and week out your business and how, how this recovery and this ramp up coming out of this, uh, recession is going to look for you. And, uh, so that communication is extremely, um, it's extremely important for us as we, you know, kind of, we have this 90, you know, 120, depending on, you know, whether we received a payment in April. We have this kind of grace period where we're evaluating every deal, and then we're going to make our decisions um, on on how we proceed next. And based off, you know, when we have more visibility. I mean, I think everybody knows this, this this environment changes weekly, and everybody's you know curve changes you know weekly as well, from a V to a U to a W to a to a swoosh to you know you kind of name it. Uh, but nobody really knows because you're trying to you're trying to forecast medicine and science, couple with you know, the depth of the recession that we're going to be in coming out of this and what that recovery will look like. So for us, it's market to market, you know, communicate with us, provide information and we're here to work with you.
0: Yeah, I, that sounds familiar. So Shio, you guys seen anything different?
2: Um, a lot of the same. I think uh, right now my whole world has been PPP. Um, we're trying to get capital out Uh, two people that need it most and you know, uh, we are a uh, FDIC insured bank Um, so we're part of the PPP program or one of the lenders and uh, We're trying to basically uh, treat treat. all customers that we have uh, uh, And get capital into their hands and then we're even doing a lot of business with dog customers um, that have come to us through referrals, etc. What we're seeing is uh, this is giving an opportunity for a resurgence of real community banking. Um, and we like that. That's a positive, I think. We're really getting uh, a chance to shine as a community bank and um, showing people what the difference is between a big box bank or a bigger bank uh, versus a community bank where people have my cell phone numbers or people have my brother's cell phone number and they get what they need to get done ASAP. So that's what we're seeing right now. It started back in March. We, of course, are going through the deferrals, the forbearance, uh, the interest only, some of the modifications. Um, We started looking at our portfolio in different segments, Um, you know, select service versus mid-scale, economy, independent. And uh, what we're finding is that uh, the lower the scale, the better the occupancy right now um, and ability to even make some type of interest payments. Uh, and then the higher the scale, the worse the occupancy and probably the more the forbearance. Um, what we see going forward is exactly what Matt said. We don't have visibility yet. Uh, I don't think anybody has uh, the crystal ball or visibility, so we're following the guidance. Um, what is most of concern on our minds going forward. Uh, is, you know, how are regulators going to react? And we've seen a lot of good guidance that have come out and have been involved with some of the lobbying efforts. And it, it's helpful and it's positive for banks to see that, you know, the regulators are working with, are going to work with the banks so that the banks can work with their customers. And I think uh, that's been very encouraging um, as a lender and as a banker. Um, as far as new loans go, we, we, in fact, I have uh, about four or five pending loans, but they are, we're going to fund them and they're new loans that have come in the, in the last two weeks. And we're doing them because they're existing clients of the bank. And, you know, maybe we add in a one year interest reserve that's funded by the borrower upfront, um, along with, uh, higher cash down payments. So uh, you know we're still con- very conservative on our loan amount, and at the end of the day, we have experience with these clients, and we have a uh, trust relationship where that it goes goes back several years, and we have confidence that they'll be able to weather the storm. And you know we want to we we show them that confidence by funding some of these deals.
0: So um, show me some idea of the size and the terms of the new loans.
2: So, uh, you know, we're probably, there's one in about a $15 million range in Bronx, New York. There's another one in Port Arthur in the, you know, under $5 million range, right? Um, and then there's a couple add ons to existing projects, um, you know, where the, there may have been some construction uh, cost overruns and we're taking it over from another lender, uh, things like that. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of what we're seeing and what we think, you know, at the end of the day, we always think the lending relationship is most close to like a husband and wife relationship. And, you know, you've you got to get through crap together. Right. Yeah, so, you know, and you got to enjoy the good times together. So we we keep that philosophy in the back of our mind. You know, now is not the time to start thinking of any type of divorce or anything like that. Like now is the time to come together and, and really, um, you know, be the, be there for each other. And as Matt said, communicate, communicate, communicate. I tell people, uh, if you don't communicate, that scares me. And same thing happens as any husband-wife relationship too. Uh, so that's, I think that's the most uh, the good analogy I can give. So Shields
0: trying not to get a divorce
2: i like it it's not
0: how does this compare to what with what you're seeing
3: well first of all i want to thank sushil for the therapy session i won't have to go to see my therapist i'm <laughs> really, really thankful I, hey it it's cheaper let's just do this every week i could it's a lot cheaper for me to do that um you know to echo what matt said as well as what sushil said it's it's communication when this set, when the onset of COVID came in, we started talking to our borrowers that first week, and we started talking really at the end of February and first week of March, and saying, "Hey, this is coming. What are you guys seeing? What are you? What What are your? What are your plans? What are your contingency plans?" So we were able to work through those situations, and I think we all said, "Did they get? Did they make the April payment? Did they make the May payment?" So we're talking to them weekly, looking at their manager's report. What What have you got in occupancy? to also add social Shields, to shows, The lower the scale the be, uh, of brand, the better the performance of the asset. Uh, so that's something we're envisioning this time around. Uh, but more importantly, I think what we're seeing in, in the market is um, there were projects that are construction projects that are being stalled midstream, banks basically, or even private debt funds, which is what we are. Um, that basically have had their warehouse funding or anything any Wall Street type funding dry up, and as such, now their projects or developers that get stuck in the middle, we're trying to figure out how to finish the project. So we're seeing some orphaned, what I call orphan construction debt. We're seeing projects that had finished completion or are a month away from CFO, and now need to get some long term, you know, some mini firm type structures. So we're seeing some of that. And that's that's what we're lending in. But also to Sushil's point, uh, as part of that therapy session, we're over communicating with our borrowers, and we're over communicating with our uh, third-party partners and everybody, just to make sure everybody's in tune of what's going on uh, in in the economy, and trying everybody's trying to get some visibility of what's really happening and what next week will bring out, and so on and so forth. Um, I think, like for all of us on the call, I think states are opening up so now we're all waiting to see what happens how the recovery comes back as a result of the opening up and then keeping one eye to the other side of like is there a resurgence in infections or you know in cases so those are factors we're looking at but lending wise we're still open for business we're doing construction lending we're doing new loans um we committed to a, a purchase of a, a purchase financing transaction um you know something in the 60 to 70% LTV on a conventional basis to let them stabilize it and go from there. So in in that regard, I think we're still bullish on the industry as it relates to the developers as well as the borrowers that are in there that are experienced. And I think to social and also Matt's points, experience means a lot to all of us right now because if we've gone through something with you and we've seen you perform, it gives us uh, comfort to know that you've got that depth of experience and we've seen how you perform in good or bad times, and we'll come through this. So that's what we're looking at.
4: Matt, I'm assuming you guys are doing new loans too. I mean-
1: yeah, so we're we're doing new loans, but um, you know, it, it's all kind of relative to the market and, right. and the opportunities. Um, there is pretty much zero liquidity, very little liquidity in the hospitality space right now. Right. Um, there was a recent CMBS securitization, which was great news that went off really well at the end of last week. But again, there was no hotel collateral within that securitization. So you have CMBS that shut down. You have banks that are shut down because they're going through all these forbearance agreements. So it's very difficult for them to book a new loan. While on the flip side, their their forbearing payments across about 100% of their portfolio. Um, so that there's and then insurance companies. I think they view it the same way. So. All of a sudden you had a very efficient market going back two months ago to pretty much zero capital liquidity today. So we're looking at a number of deals. You have maturing CMBS loans that are 10 years old that have amortized down that um, are at, at a, that are kind of they're maturing and, and, and they're kind of stuck. And we're probably being a little bit more flexible on the prepay with some of those bars to just bridge them to a year where, you know, we think that the basis is, you know, just a great number, the brands are great, you know, Hilton and Marriott Select Service growing markets, very stable markets that, that we think will come back um, sooner than some other markets. So it's just, it's just being thoughtful you know, relative to kind of everything that we're seeing in the industry, because we're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of construction. We're seeing a lot of different opportunities. And I will say simultaneously, we're still trying to manage through any deals that were in our pipeline, that we had you know, term sheets out on the deals might have changed, but we're still trying to work through those deals as well because a lot of those are, are you know, previous bars and relationships that, that, that are known commodities that we have that, that we want to take care of that we want to continue to do business with, good or bad. And that's the value of a relationship and that communication and, and building that level of trust that we'll still find a way to to, to work through, um, even if it was a legacy deal, you know, kind of pre-COVID. Uh, to, to, to appropriately structure those deals and see if we can find a re- resolution. So uh, we're looking at anything and everything still, yes.
0: How much of this do you guys, this was sort of the group, but how much do you guys, I mean, hear you're still over business, you're lending, oh, by the way, you're working relationships, you know, existing borrowers, new, new borrowers. How much of this, my sense is it's because of the makeup of who the three of you are as lenders. Two debt funds and one community bank. Uh, whereas I think for the most part, everybody else thinks the banks are closed and they're having a real tough time finding any money if they wanted to get some. Sushio, how much do you think,
2: I'll ask you, is it because of the makeup of who the three of you guys are? I think it's a hundred percent because of our makeup. We, you know, we're a niche lender. We're a hotel focused bank and we've been around uh, since 1987. Um, we've been through recessions. Uh, we've been through good times and bad times and, you know, we have a comfort level with that asset class so that gives us confidence that uh, you know we know what we're doing um, even in the bad times the issue with a lot of other lenders or a lot of other banks especially when it comes to hotels is they're there when the sun is shining uh, because that's an easy play to make Uh, but when the sun is not shining a lot of other lenders will get skittish because they don't have that niche or that experience Um, so that, that's the main reason why we're still in it and we still are confident in making some deals, but, uh, you know, there's also a lot of quick no's that we're doing right now. Like, you know, we're, uh, we're getting hit up any left and right, but there's a lot of quick no's, you know, we're not stringing people along. We're saying, no, this is not going to work. Or, you know, if there's something that we think is there, Hey, we'll quickly put it out there in 24 hours or 48 hours. Say, Hey, look, this is what we think we can kind of get done works for you or if this if we're in the ballpark let's talk. uh if not let's move on what who doesn't sanad who doesn't make it out of this big banks cmbs
3: um i think it's not a matter of they'll not make it out of it. i think their asset appetite will change i think big banks will you know as social said they come in when the sun is shining and uh, what they're realizing is that we, you have to be in it for the long haul the good times and the bad times and in the bad times is how you negotiate or how you work with your borrowers that will get you through to the other side of it so i think the the big banks are going to have to either wake up and figure out how to lend to this asset class or truly just get out of it cmbs has to have you know that's a that's a whole system change you know you can't put everybody into a special servicer just because they didn't make their payment because of this this. 90-day window or, or this 120-day window, and again, I don't have the right solution for you, but I can tell you there's got to be sort of a medium ground because the minute you put them all in the special servicer, the ownership group loses rights, they lose, the, and and all of a sudden it becomes that person's asset, and they now try to tell you what to do. At the core of it, and I think social will echo this, hotel owners succeed because they're able to get roll up their sleeves and work the system and work how to work their local micro market to get business in their doorstep and try to work from there if if they're not able to do that because somebody else now uh, a special services as well you've got to bring in this management company to run it and layer up the overhead a little bit more that's going to create more problems and i think so there's got to be some flexibility i don't have the right answer of what that is but there's got to be some flexibility otherwise you know what these assets that have performed really well in good times and maybe do a hiccup, uh, had a hiccup right now, they're going to come back up again, and it's just a matter of trying to figure out when they'll come up and working through that until they get to a point where they'll be good again. That's really where I think it's going to go. Teague, just to
2: chime in, uh, you know, I think me and you had a conversation about this. You, you had CMBS 2.0, we kind of went through that phase, yeah. Now the next one will be 3.0, but I think fundamentally there's going to be a look back to say is the hotel asset a right candidate for a CMBS structure. And I think there's gonna be a little bit more serious look at that and uh, going forward. So I a well, great question, I totally agree with you. So what happens when it's a no?
4: Who
0: fills
2: that space? Because that was a big space they were taking up. Yeah, well, I think uh, the private debt funds have been raising a lot of money in the past two years and they're stepping up their game. And you know,
1: stonehill included, and there's so many others. But it's even even those private debt funds as part of the challenge in terms of how they're structured. Yes.
4: Whether through those
1: those, those repo lines where really the line lender controls the deal or a CLO, which is another securitized uh loan product. Um and and, and really when there's no not not saying they have to necessarily be regulated, whether it's C M B S or CLO. But it, but it's a bond instrument. It's it's governed by a contract, and then you, then you sell, up, you know, basically a number of different tranches of bonds, and nobody really inherently. You have a, the, you know, the servicers within that that trust that, that, that service it, but they really don't make decisions because they are have to right. adhere to this original contract that they entered into, and so when you, it's kind of this mismatch with, where nobody really wants to make a move. Uh, we were talking with somebody on the Krepsy Council, Commercial Real Estate Finance Council. And he's like, you know, I get what, you know, the Fed can do here and there, but they're all regulated. Um, we have contracts that we can't just necessarily amend or modify because that's that's across, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars of assets. And um, while well, I hear that on one side, on the other hand, they're, you know, TALF money is what's keeping, you know, their industry alive and allow them to issue new securitizations, right? So they have to, at some level, adhere to what the what the Fed is doing for them on the common, allowing them to continue to issue uh, new securities. So, But but you're right, it's not, a, it's not a match in terms of you really do need a true asset manager and servicer that understands the hospitality industry that can make decisions on behalf of that borrower and that individual loan, not on behalf of some larger trust that, that's, based, that's used to some fixed income product because, you know, hotel cash flows can move so quickly, they're so volatile, it's not a fixed income commodity.
0: So not any comments to that?
3: No, I, I think what Matt said is, is accurate accurate. I think it's gonna and what's this show C M B S three is gonna have to look at hospitality assets and say, how do the how do these assets really react in in the effect of a downturn? And is the way of throwing them managing where where with special services and and whatever, is that the right strategy? I don't think it is. I think in reality, you've got to look at it as an asset that has cash flows that fluctuates. and when, when they start fluctuating in that cycle, how do you get ahead of it? So I, I feel realistically, I think when we do come out of this, there's going to be a different, I think hospitality uh, assets are going to be looked at differently in terms of how can they be underwritten and what, do, what are the measures we need to do to instead maybe have greater reserves, uh, maybe build in uh, have structures rather than have reserves just capex. We should have reserves that build in a P and I reserve or six months or something like that. Maybe that's something. You know, if 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 all the CMBS portfolio today had a reserve that was for payments, basically they could say, okay, for the next six months we'll do an interest only, and maybe we'll drive this out into sort and of I payment for the six months, and let's see if it smooths out and come out that. Comes out of it in that time, you can start structuring something as a solution. Right now, instantly they don't make the payment. Instantly go into special servicer, and now you're in forbearance, and you're in, you know, you're in a liquidation. That's not the right answer, I don't think.
2: You know, but it the answer will come about. Truly, it'll be whatever the market and the bond market bears. So, can it be that the FF&E reserve for CMBS loans can that in the future in CMBS 3.0 can that have a flex feature where it's used also as a payment reserve? If you do, I don't know what the study would be to say how much of FF&E funds are actually used um, by the borrowers on these CMBS loans. Um, I think that would be something interesting to look at as they structure 3.0. But hey, that's 3.0, I think we're a long way from that. Uh, I think right now uh, it's gonna be dialed back to uh, three months and then another three months. And as a regulated institution, uh, all of the federal guidance and all that has come out, you know, gives good guidance up until six months. But then the concern that banks have is all these accounting rules start coming in. And I think funds have the same, you know, so how are these accounting rules, such as TDR rules and non-recrual rules, how are all of those going to play? And there's a lot of chatter, you know, uh, which is positive in Congress right now on, you know, what to do. Um, what I have found is, you know, leadership at the FDIC and Federal Reserve are, are all, um, you know, looking at this with the lens that, hey, we're all on the same team with the banks. It's not us against you, kind of like how it was in 08. In 08, you know, the, it was that banks were being punished because they were bad actors um, and they had over leveraged everything. In in what I'm seeing in in this time period is a real coming together between institutions and the federal government and the and the regulators to say, hey, how can we get through this together? Work together. It's really encouraging.
3: Yeah, Sinat, how are you seeing this different from 2008? Um, exactly what Sushil said. I think in 2008 it was a crisis in confidence in the banks, basically, because they were uh, not so much as community banks, but maybe the larger banks were you know portrayed as bad actors i think uh us coming out of this is is a function of we still got i mean this is a this is a very viable industry let's all agree on that i think everybody on this phone agrees that hospitality as an industry is giving state it's not going to go away i think what's going to have to happen is there's going to be sort of a, a marrying of still a public and a private partnership where in the last financial crisis for example um the government put in a program and I think should we may know of this and that it as well the fmlp program where the lenders did a first mortgage program and this is tied to SBA, so give me just a second here. But the first mortgage was partially guaranteed by the government as well. Well if there was some essence of a program that's like that, that the Fed has as a tool as a tool in their toolbox that works, then this industry could come out of it and maybe still lend on a long term basis in that program. Two the point Social made having FF and E reserves have a flex that they can go towards making P&I reserves or whatever. That's helpful because today, think about it. When, when this happened, all the franchisors came up and says everything on PIP, everything in regards to renovations, we're repurpose, rebranding is now on hold. We're, we're going to give you time to go do that. Well, in CMBS loan documents, I don't think it's written or it says you can turn around and immediately start using that as payments. That's actually up to your special servicer to make that determination. And then they solely decide. And you can't control and say, can you use that? So I think those things have to come into play, those fixes have to come into play. Plus I think this and this program of truly a public private partnership where maybe the government provides some level of a guarantee or some sort of a backstop, even if it's not the full amount of the first, maybe it's you know fifty percent of the first, we'll get lending going back into this second Yeah,
0: I'm I'm just thinking, I wonder when that's gonna happen, right? I mean, right now my head's still going to all right, everybody's kinda got a ninety day forbearance, okay. <laughs> what happens on the 91st day right?
3: i i think i think in reality i think it's to sucia's point that guidance will come about in six months because somebody's going to wake up magically in six months and realize we still have to lend money otherwise we're going to have a whole lot of portfolio going sideways on us and you got to figure out how to do that so i think that'll be another tool the fed comes out in their toolbox and says this is what we're going to do about it i think that's that that's you know if, if I'm, I'm hoping that comes around because that was for lending back again because the debt funds can do it all, we just can't. We don't have yeah. that level of capital. I mean, Matt, tell me. There's uh-huh. not that much capital out. There. I mean, how much in CMBS issuance was hospitality? I think this year there's some. I read a number. There's like seven billion in hospitality that's maturing this year, and another seven or eight billion that's maturing next year. And, and, wow. and keep in
1: mind, and, and keep in mind, that's maturing off 2010 numbers where there was very light exactly. originating. So, I mean, there's not enough liquidity in the market to solve yeah. it. You have to solve it through. And, you know, servicers are, okay, we'll allow you to use your FF and E reserves. Okay, that that's that's just kind of just throwing a little bit at this problem. But not every, you know, downturn will, will be this bad, hopefully. So, you know, we don't need also have this knee-jerk reaction where the pendulum swings, swings so far the other way. But there does need to be a lot more thought on based on, the upfront underwriting and then the ongoing servicing and management of these loans. Um, that's for sure.
0: So talk to me about sort of your existing portfolios and I get it. Everything right now is not performing. I understand that. But when do you start seeing you guys having to make those tough decisions of having to take
2: hotels back, foreclose, et cetera? I, I don't think uh, we're we're at that point yet or anywhere close to that. Yep. And I don't think. I don't think everything is not performed. You know, one of our, two of our largest borrowers um, have basically come to me and said, look, we're going to make all of our payments. Well, we have liquidity, uh, we have recourse, and we're, we're going to stand behind this, and we're going to make all of our payments. So you have some like that. Then you have some who, uh, in, in the, uh, as you get lower in, into the scale level, they're saying, look, uh, why don't you let me loose on principle? I'll continue making my interest payments. So, in our portfolio, I would say we've we have about 25% where there's some forbearance, where there's no payment, you know, coming in, or there's maybe a real estate tax escrow only coming in. It's about 25%. But the rest, you know, we're having as of right now, uh, you know, we're still uh, getting interest collected on. And um, so I I don't think that, I think as we go further along, then it will increase, right? Um, but by it's the same dramatic. token, you have some states reopening, you know, Texas yeah. is re- or just reopened, kind of. And um, we're seeing 10% bumps in occupants growth um, immediately uh, in uh, from Port Arthur to Dallas to Texas camp. So it gives some uh positive vibes that hey, you know, we're, we're we're gonna get through this. I think uh it's not gonna be all doom and gloom. Um I think the uh America as a country and as a people quite resilient. And um I heard uh, the interview with um Mitt where he mentioned about uh spirit and I thought that th- yeah that was that's very uh a good way to put it. Yeah, you gotta believe in the human spirit. So not talk to me about
0: your existing portfolio. What do you see from default rates and pressure?
3: Um, knock on wood, we haven't seen anything default yet, so that's yeah. a positive.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, similar to what Social said, um, we had to go in and talk to some of our borrowers and restructure some of their debt. But everybody's making uh, either a full interest-only payment. Some are making a full P and I payment and reserve and the taxes and escrow and all that still is happening and in some cases we've reduced we've done an interest only but we've deferred a portion of the interest till six months out so everybody's making some level of a payment uh we have one loan and actually it's an sba four loan in our portfolio that is on full deferral but it's in the state of new jersey and the state of New jersey, and it was not for a hospitality it's for actually a an alternative type of business and because the state of new jersey shut down uh put everybody on a shutdown they were not able to drive any revenue. So they were on a full deferral. But even them, they went on a deferral as a late 29, but they're making a partial interest payment. So we're, we're fortunate in that regard. And as I said earlier in the conversation, we started talking to them early in, at the end of February, first part of March and saying, what's your outlook? What are your reserves looking like in reference to that? Um, I think we're, by doing that, we're saying, okay, we're managing now for the next six months through the end of September. And let's see what happens at the end of september and then how you if the states reopen up what's your path of recovery i think matt or susha said you know it's either you or nike swoosh or a V or whatever you know it's it's going to be whatever it is right now it's a borrower by borrower specific discussion because we're saying what are you doing in your micro market that's helping you get your business reopened um and you know we had a borrower in georgia and they open and Two hotels and they said this past weekend they were at 80 percent occupancy and they were in the marriott hilton brand hotel and we're like going wow that's surprising and he said yeah i know i don't know what's happening it's the fact that people are wanting to come back you know one one borrower does not make a trend so i'm hoping you know i get more stories like that you know it's little by little that people are resilient and are coming back but yeah. i think to the point social she'll admit made we're, we know it's the human spirit, and it's people being resilient about making sure that this this is their livelihood, and this livelihood continues to prosper and succeed. So, our portfolio, thankfully, is is performing in the sense that we've had uh, nobody be on a full default or anything to that effect. So, and that's giving us confidence that why we should continue commit to this industry and lend into this space because. We've got borrowers that are making their efforts to sustain their business. To that
2: point, I just want to add something, and then uh, I'll let Matt talk. But um, you know the key to our success at our bank is our clients. Our clients, ninety percent of our loans are to Indians, uh, mostly with the last name Patel. And you know what we have found is uh, our community um, really has the ability to roll up their sleeves. And um, you know, still operate properties at very lean levels, and they are not afraid to do that. So you know all of we don't have but for maybe one loan where there's a management company really involved at all. Um, these are owner operators, and I think that's the true um, uh, you know reason for our success is because we deal with owner operators um, and not a lot of the larger companies.
0: So I, I should be wrapping this up because uh, uh, of the time respect people's ADD kicks in, but I think it's really good. So I'm going to keep going <laughs> because I have some more questions. Uh, Matt, listen, from what we're seeing, we're not seeing the stress and guys like the three of you, which uh, I think you guys are hoteliers first and oh, by the way, bankers second. At least that's my, my, my way of describing you. So I think you're unique a little bit in our industry. You're going to work with the borrowers. You're going to understand problems that they're having at each individual hotel so i think you guys are uh what hopefully the future looks like however there are the people the CNBS, the big banks where they're not doing that uh i do think people want to know what distress looks like partially from the opportunity side what we're seeing is interesting the things that are being done right now are the note sales right sort of wall street wall street note sales so i'd be curious matt or any of you guys if you can what you're seeing if you can help Oh, by the way, if I'm a borrower and my lender calls me and says either I see my note on the market uh, or if I get the opportunity to buy my note, can you guys help step in and help me buy my own notes?
1: Um, I'll say, you know, it, it is starting. There was a pretty, there, there's a little bit of a, a, a gap between the bend the ask, you know, going over the last month is, is yes, we are looking at notes to purchase. Um, we, we, we've always been active in that space, going back to 2010. Um, so we will stay active. Now, will we kind of negotiate and have conversations with the underlying borrower? No, we're, we're under certain. You're under CAs, and there's certain things that we can't do and conversations we can't have. But once we are that lender, are we going to asset manage that very similarly to the way that we're going to asset manage our own bar, our own portfolio? Because we do view to to Sushil's point, to Sonat's point, we do view the underlying borrower. As the best owner of that property, they have they view it the most. They they have the they put the probably the highest valuation around that asset. They know that asset well. They know that market well. They know how to ramp that property back up. So we're going to work with that underlying borrower. But the, the the loan and the loan documents and everything that's in there, it's put in place to protect us if that borrower doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And in that situation, and you know, you talk about cash management. No, we don't want to trigger cash management on a borrower that's already in distress. Especially if they're trying to do everything that they're possibly trying to do, um, that's just there in the event that we need to protect cash to protect our position because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So there is opportunity. We are looking at notes to purchase. We're having a lot of ongoing conversations. We're talking with groups about you know preferred equity and restructuring deals that were about to be financed, and maybe you know paying down the senior and recapping the deal and, and putting up operating reserves and working capital. Um, you know, it's a pretty wide net that we're casting in this market because every every deal is so different. And a lot of, a lot of groups on the equity side, you know, the feedback, we're going to need some cash. We know we will to make it to the other side. It's just, now it's not the time. But again, based on, you know, your reputation and how you've worked with people and treated them in the past, you will, will be one of our first calls. And I think that goes for everybody on this, on this, uh, zoom meeting.
0: It's not, if I'm a borrower and I get an opportunity to buy my own loan because my banker is selling it, can you help me buy my own loan?
3: Yeah, we can help you. We can help you, um, we can help you <laughs> with that note. And basically, you know, t- we can take the position of either buying that note directly from the bank, or we can take it where it's a note-on-note type financing structure. The second one is the latter is a little more complicated, requires a little bit more structuring and a little bit more in terms of equity and, and things like that. But it also, as to Matt's point, the bid and ask spread is quite wide right now. Yeah, um, and I think, and I think that will spread will compress as time progresses in this, and specifically in the in this industry right now, hospitality. So I, I think, to answer, your question, you know, we can definitely help you. Um, just let, I think you also have to have realistic expectations. The bank's not going to take a haircut right off the bat. They've got to figure out what your ability. They're looking to, they're looking to sell the note. Purely as a function of managing balance sheet risk and avoiding future regulatory scrutiny, in that sense. So, you know, if you're thinking you're going to get it for pennies on the dollar, I don't think that's an expectation you have. That's an expectation you should mark, mark start with. But we can definitely help you on a note or note, or if we, if we step in and buy the note from the bank as well.
4: Where are the opportunities
3: coming forward? Um, we're seeing it on projects that are and. In, in, Matt and Slutu, maybe you can chime in as well. We're seeing it in projects that are near completion that the banks are not patient to see if there's going to be a stabilization. Um, You know, they're worried that the valuation is in such flux because you have, I mean, everybody's now talking pre COVID value, post COVID value, and where are the two, and then, you know, and then what's the post COVID stabilization ramp compared to the pre COVID stabilization ramp? So it's it's really um, driven by that. Um, the way we're looking at it, I think we take our, I think all of us on this phone, on this, on the Zoom call, we have some basic fundamental underwriting that we've done. And that's why we're staying in this business, in this industry. If, as long as what you were what we're helping you buy or helping us, helping them uh, finance, it fits under those guidelines, then we're going to be able to continue helping you. But if your expectation is where you were highly levered and you're going to have to really have an expectation, you're going to have to bring in some skin in the game for us to come in and step in and buy it. And maybe as you prove out your results, we can get you back to that leverage. But at this point, you're going to probably need to bring in some sort of a, some sort of an equity kicker, or some cross equity, to kind of resize the loan a little bit if we need to do that.
1: And I, would, I would add one more thing, and it goes back to the communication and the communication with your existing lender. Um, again, a lot of these deals were underwritten well, um, and they weren't over levered, like you know, going into you know nine and ten so you really don't need to think of discounts even to get to probably where the real estate is valued at today, but maybe you do just need a, you know a little bit of a pay down of your loan or an interest you know reserve and in and, and in today's market, if you're forced to sell because you're not being a good actor, there's again it goes back to there's no liquidity in the hospitality space, and the value of that existing loan that value of that existing senior senior mortgage is so valuable to the overall value of that real estate in today's market versus doing an outright sale in distress where you have to bring 100% fresh cash to any acquisition, whether it's real estate or debt. So uh, there's a lot of value in that underlying loan. And so that there's a lot of importance in making sure that if you think your money could make sure you definitely protect that mortgage that you have in place.
0: I love it. I think that's so well said. Uh, and gentlemen, I'm, I am going to wrap it up now. I think that was a great way to end it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for coming on. Talking with us openly and candidly. I think this is the kind of stuff people want to hear. Uh, hopefully, for your borrowers and for your uh, future relationships. Uh, uh, we wish you all the best.
3: So, thank you guys thank you. for your time. I appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Thanks, for thank Thanks guys. Thanks to see you guys. Take care. See you guys.